This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rested Buckeye Talk. My wife listened to the Buckeye Talk we recorded on Sunday, and she said she thought she could tell that we were sleepy. And I said, like, were we like slurring our words, or did we just not make any sense? And she said, kind of both, but that she thought it just took us longer to formulate ideas that we were like pausing in between longer than usual, and uh, and we were exhausted. But can you hear this? Like, give everybody Tim and Bill. I'm Doug. Give everyone out there your perky, I got a little bit of sleep voice. Woo. <sighs> yeah, I got a lot of sleep, but I, my brain's still moving slow. So, um, Oh. Well, you yeah. had to cover a basketball game. I did, yeah. No, I, I slept. I slept. It was good. I'm feeling chipper. Yeah. I'm feeling chipper. I ran errands today. I enjoy running errands. Um, so that was good. So we have a lot to talk about on Buckeye Talk. We're not going to really get into the playoff stuff. I think we've said and written... Most of what can be said about the playoff, um, I'm an angry man, but <laughs> it's over. So we're sort of looking forward, and we're going to look all the way forward to 2018. We also have some really good questions from you guys. I don't know that we'll have a lot of food talk. I swear, I can't remember. I'm going to find it in my Twitter mentions. I can't remember who sent it. We are going to do, like, each of us ranking our top ten chain restaurants at some point. I think we will maybe make that the full weight of a, of a podcast at some point and really get into philosophical chain restaurant discussions about when you go somewhere new, do you go to a chain restaurant? Do you go to a local restaurant? Do you try in your hometown to go to local restaurants or you just go to chain restaurants? Why are chain restaurants so popular? Does it say something good or bad about America that you can go anywhere this, in the continental United States? This is this podcast or the next podcast? No, I'm talking about the podcast we're not oh, doing. It's okay. a 10-minute explanation okay. of the podcast we're not doing. That sounds like this sounds like a full two hour podcast. You're talking, yeah, God, I really want to do that right now. Okay, we should do football. Here's I'm going to talk about this as enthusiastically as I talk about chain restaurants. Dwayne Haskins versus Tate Martell. Nice. That's what we're getting into right now because it is a fantastic big picture and little picture discussion at the same time because it's about two super highly rated quarterbacks that are going to fight to take over, and it is about the philosophical offensive ideas of Urban Meyer and this coaching staff. So I want to lay a little bit of a foundation first because I think we do have a good comparison to the J.T. Barrett-Cardale-Jones battles of the past. By the way, we're the Cleveland.com coverage team. Go to mm-hmm. cleveland.com slash OSU. Bill Landis, and then we'll get, Tim, your thoughts on this too. Bill Landis, what should the 2015 Cardale Jones-JT Barrett quarterback battle 
who won it initially, the way it was handled, how the offenses looked with Cardale and with JT. What should that tell us, if anything, about the 2018 quarterback battle between Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell? I think a couple things. I, I think one is you need to make up your mind somewhat early. It felt like in 2015, like even the week of the Virginia Tech game, they still weren't quite sure who the starting quarterback was going to be. Um, and maybe they were just leading us on and they knew all along was going to be Cardale. But I, I got the vibe that they didn't. They truly did not know. And then I think they put both of them out in the huddle for the first offensive series of Virginia Tech to kind of throw us up the city of more, as if that mattered at the time. Um, so that, make up your mind early. And then also, I think if you're Urban Meyer and we're assuming Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, who will all still be in charge of the offense next year, um, you have to be willing to to – no, you have to be you have to be aware of the idea that who you pick may very well change the offense. And I felt like in, in 2015 you had two very different skill sets, but it also felt like that no matter who they picked, they were going to run the same offense. And that was obviously part of the problem. Once Cardell Jones got in there and was ineffective, he was running the, very much. I thought the JT Barrett offense, and it didn't work. Um, I don't think it's a bad position to be in. I just think they were unwilling to like embrace the change that had to happen, depending on which guy they picked, and then like they were. They were bad because of that. So that that is the, the change of mindset to me is the biggest thing they have to do with this quarterback battle is, is be aware that if it's Haskins, the offense needs to, needs to change a little bit. And even if it's Martell, the offense probably has to change some. But it would be more similar to what they've done the last few years with JT. Tim, the thing I'm, I'm curious about from your standpoint is, is obviously you were not covering Ohio State football in 2015, but we know you were watching and following Ohio State football. From that standpoint, as somebody who was covering things at Cleveland.com that weren't Ohio State sports. So from an outsider perspective, but as a knowledgeable person about the team, what did you think of that? Like, were you shocked when Cardale Jones was named the starting quarterback? And, and what did you think? Because I think you would be a good representative for a lot of the people out there listening. Like, what did you think that whole season about how things unfolded and how things were handled? It seemed very unsteady throughout the whole season. Like, even in the first huddle, Bill mentioned it when you had both Cardale and JT both come out. And when Cardale comes out, I'm like, oh, okay, so Cardale's going to start. I kind of was thinking it was going to be JT because we had all seen 2014. The offense looked great with JT. Mm-hmm. You know, up until he got injured, people were considering him as a potential sleeper for a Heisman finalist because of how well he played. And then. 2015, you were expecting, okay, you know, JT's healthy, he's going to be fine, you expect him to go out, and all of a sudden, Cardale goes out, and it's bizarre, and you almost wondered, almost wondered initially if that was a one-game thing because of the way Virginia Tech played defense, but then it kept going, and the offense was just so inconsistent. It was non-functional, in your words, to describe it, Doug, for a while, and then they eventually made the switch to JT because Cardale just couldn't wasn't accurate anymore. He couldn't run that offense. They slowly worked JT in. They had that loss in Michigan State that essentially ended the playoff hopes, ended the repeat hopes for this team. Just it was it was just just kind of a mess in a way that took away from a team that should have gone had a really good chance to go back to back. I'm not saying they would have won the national championship this that season, but they would have had a very good shot at it. I think. I think we all thought it was going to be JT. Yes. So, Tim, like, 
you, you know, talking to people who follow Ohio State, you yourself following Ohio State, you, like you thought it was going to be JT, and most people you encountered thought it was going to be JT. Yeah, I believe because of what JT had done the regular season, it was going to be it was going to be his show. I mean, don't, it wasn't any disrespect to Cardell Jones mm-hmm. and what he did because Ohio State doesn't win the national championship if he's not able to stretch the field vertically, not just on those big touchdown throws of Jalen to Devin Smith, but also in the Alabama game, for example, he hit consecutive third and longs to Jalen Marshall on a key touchdown drive. They needed Cardell Jones to help win that national championship, but JT was the one who got them there. I have a Saquon Barkley question at one point also. Ooh. <clears throat> Urban I- Myers screwed it up. I remember thinking that offseason that this quarterback battle like was not a bad thing for Ohio State because they had two really good choices. And before we knew that Braxton wasn't going to be a quarterback, you thought they might have three really good choices. I remember like that summer going on radio shows and saying, like, I think it still could be Braxton. You know, like you didn't know exactly what was up with him. Yeah. I remain shocked by how much Urban Meyer messed that up. And here's how they messed it up. It's what you what you guys have said. They picked a guy, but then didn't fit the offense to him. And I think the eternal conflict, and I've we've all talked about this with other people who cover Ohio State. And I I've sort of had debates with people about this. JT Barrett clearly fits the model of what you think Urban Meyer wants a quarterback to be, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, we think Tate Martell better fits what we know of the Urban Meyer model, which boils down to a guy who can run. Bill, you are the person who has laid the groundwork. You have written a seminal story about Urban <laughs> Meyer's, what he wants in a quarterback. Refresh the people quickly on that. Uh, it's basically just like nine different ways to say he's tough. Um, like uh, extend the play, competitive spirit is one. Uh Tough and tough and tough, and then like not like throwing abilities not on the list as we've said before. Like not on the list. Yeah. So uh, it's a conflict to me of the guy who is clearly more of a fit for what Urban Meyer wants, but then what is the other guy, the Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins guy? Is it that Urban Meyer just at times says, you know what, like we don't have a choice, we have to do this? Or I know there are other people who believe that. Urban Meyer remains intrigued by quarterbacks like that. And that when you have a quarterback who can threaten the defense with the deep ball, what that does to open up everything else. Do we think that there's a part of Urban Meyer that actually is like, I don't know. I don't know how to compare it, but it's like the thing that you know you love. I don't want to make like a, I don't want to make like a wife and mistress comparison. Cause like that's, that's like, yeah, that's, 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 uh... Indelicate. That's not yes. what we're talking about. But like you know, what we're, the thing is like ah, uh, like let's make a food comparison because we talk about food here. Okay, it's the place you go to lunch every day. It's your favorite place to go to lunch. It's always good. It's really good all the time. And there's a new place that opens, and you think, God, like everyone says, like ah, oh, like are you gonna go there? And you're like, no, nah, I don't think I like that food. But you don't. You, you're kind of like, man, I don't know. Maybe I should try it. Like it might be a little too spicy. I don't really like that kind of cheese, but I kind of want to try it. Like, and, and some people will say, like, oh, God, I love that food. So you're kind of like, oh, God, I know. Maybe I should try it. And then you go there, and you like it. You go once or twice, and you like it. And so then you think, you know what? I'm going to make this my new favorite place. 
And then you start going there every day, and then you say, oh, yeah, this is not my favorite place. I don't want to eat this every day. And that was the 2015 season with Cardale Jones. It was a nice little treat, a little holiday treat in the end of 2014. Urban Meyer didn't want to eat that for lunch every day. So is he, is he going to want to eat what Dwayne Haskins is serving for lunch every day? Or is it that the Cardale Jones restaurant and the Dwayne Haskins restaurant are different enough that he'll be he'll want to eat Dwayne Haskins meal every day when he don't didn't want to eat Cardale's, even though it's the same genre of food. They're both Mexican Mexican restaurants, but one is more enchiladas, one's more burritos. Urban Meyer got tired <laughs> of enchiladas, but he realizes I know I like hamburgers. I like JT's hamburgers, I like Tate's hamburgers. I want Mexican food sometimes. But I got sick of enchiladas. But you know what? I could eat a burrito every day. <laughs> that is uh... <laughs> again. This is this is refreshed, not tired. This is not a tired. I don't make sense thing. This is my actual refreshed, perky analysis I, of the quarterback situation. I honestly understood everything you were saying like, to a T. Um, I'm trying to get the best way I want to answer the question you kind of threw out there. It's is it, is it possible, in the end, is it possible that the enchiladas and the burritos are different enough that that analogy is not fair to Dwayne Haskins and is not really a representative way of thinking about this quarterback battle? Yeah, Dwayne Haskins would say so. And I think I mentioned this before. Like he, he understands the comparisons to Cardale, but he doesn't agree with them. Um, I think he understands them to the extent that they can both throw the ball a mile, and that's like where it ends for him. Um, I think he think, views himself as more of an off-field passer like we talked about. And I think he he was pretty adamant that he can run. Um, uh, but do you believe him? No, no, I don't. <laughs> um, and I talked to his high school coach like a week ago, and he kind of said the same thing. He just said like we didn't we didn't ask him to do it much, but he can do it, and that's his line too. So like maybe it's there, and the reason he looked uncomfortable is because he truly hasn't done it that much, but he has the skill set, and once he gets a little more work at it, he will look good. Um, I'm not totally a believer in that. I think he wants to sit back there and, and sling the ball around. But then he has like a 22-yard scramble against Michigan. We're like, oh, maybe he can do it. Um, I think he is a little bit more smooth in the run game than Cardell Jones was. Remember, Cardell Jones like ran a speed option in the Big Ten Championship and like fell down. Like, he won, he, he did it, yeah. couldn't decide whether to pitch it to Zeke Elliott, and then he just like stood there and fell backwards. And it was, <laughs> it was like it was funny, and it was like unbelievable that a college quarterback would do that. Like, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is that. I think he's much more comfortable doing that stuff than Cardell Jones was. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know which one is the enchilada and which one is the burrito. My head is spitting. The, the, because because Chipotle has made burritos so eponymous, like, they're every, you know, everybody yeah. likes burritos. So, so, to me, Dwayne Haskins is the burrito. Okay. I love enchiladas, but I think it's possible that people would want, less want to eat an enchilada every day. They might want to, they're more accustomed to eating burrito every day. So Dwayne Haskins to me is clearly the burrito. And Cardale's the enchilada. Cardale's the enchilada. And although although Cardale is the one who loves Chipotle, Chipotle so yeah. I feel like maybe I should have made Cardale something that at least is on the menu at Chipotle. But I'm I'm too far in the weeds on this comparison yes. <laughs> now. He's the enchilada, and that's where we have to go. And they're different. They're different. They're different enough that I don't think you can draw. That straight of a comparison. Okay. Do you see that, Tim? Do you think? Do you think when you think Dwayne Haskins and Cardell Jones, do you think? Yeah, I I see a comparison there, or or not really. 
I don't really think there's much of a comparison. I'm kind of in agreement with Dwayne, but I, I felt like Cardale was more of like a thrower where I feel like Dwayne has more of more of a quarterback in terms of, you know, working the field, getting different guy, throwing different routes and different things like that. And he's not going to be, he, if he starts, he's not the typical Urban Meyer quarterback in that he's not necessarily dual threat. He can run if he if he, if he needs to run, he can run, but he's not going to look to run. He's going to be a, a, a go through progressions and, find an open receiver throw and that will take away uh they'll take away the read option which he loves which they love to run they've run that's been a staple of the Urban Meyer offense since he's been at Ohio State forever yeah forever going back to all the Utah Bowling Green way back in the way back machine basically um I feel like if they were going to do that they're going to have to they're going to have to drop that down a significant amount and Urban's crutch for a long time has been that quarterback run. If Dwayne Haskins is not as comfortable doing it, then that offense is definitely going to have to change. And that's where I feel like you had an advantage in having Kevin Wilson as your offensive coordinator because he's he's had multiple different quarterbacks in Indiana and Oklahoma, and he's found ways to accentuate the strength of his quarterbacks and not put a square peg into a round hole. You had your uh, Xander Diamon offense. Then you'd have your Richard Lego offense. It, yeah, Nate Sudfeld. He had a bunch of different guys. Yeah, I Jason White, yeah. Sam Bradford. Landry Jones. Landry Jones. So I think JT Barrett has made like, is it 44 starts? Is he 36 and 8? 37. He has 37 wins now. So he has 45 starts? Yeah. I just did a quick math. Now I forgot the number in my head. I just added it up. I think it's, it's either 32 or 33 games in JT Barrett's career. Where he ran for more than 50 yards. Cardale Jones, so that's like 33 out of 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cardale Jones made 11 career starts. Guess how many times he ran for more than 50 yards? He actually had one game that was exactly 50 yards. So that's why I'm saying more than 50 yards. How many games did he run for more than 50 yards? Two. One. Actually, the 50-yard game isn't even when he started. That was a blowout game in 14. Um, that was Maryland? Yeah. Yeah. Two. His first start in 2015, he ran 13 times for 99 yards against Virginia Tech. And then when he had to come in after JT got the DUI, and he had to come back and start after JT had taken the starting job back. Against Minnesota, right? Against yeah. Minnesota, he ran 12 times for 65 yards. So, again, and I think you guys, for a moment there, I was going to have like a, a hard – disagree into where the conversation was going and then it then it came back to where the point that I need want to make and, and you guys agree with this. It's not whether he can scramble. It, uh, to me it's not a scrambling conversation. Yeah. Because Cardale as we saw against Alabama could scramble. And there too to me there is a point to the idea of you're not a running quarterback. They don't play you as a running quarterback. So it almost makes you more dangerous as a scrambler if you can do it some. Cardale could do that, and I think Dwayne could do that. You mentioned his scramble. Yep. I don't know if Urban Meyer can run an offense where the zone read with the quarterback is not the number one part of the offense. And it was I thought it was clunky with Cardale because they sort of tried to do that, still sort of didn't. And to me, they have to you, – can you – have the zone read be the first play among many. First among the playbook options. 
If Dwayne Haskins is the starter, is can that be the number one play in the playbook? Not I, I not now. I can't say yes now. I think we saw we've seen enough in the small sample size we've seen of Dwayne Haskins to to see that he's still unsure of when to pull it and when to give it, and often seems to make the wrong decision in that regard. And if I agree, because if they would try to do it a bunch, teams are always going to crash down on the running back, and because they won't be as scared of Haskins' ability to run with the football as they were with JT's ability to run with the football. And Braxton Miller was not great at that, but. If Braxton Miller was not great at making the read and then he just kept it, it was like, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> now Braxton Miller has the ball. Let's see what happens. You cannot have an offense where Dwayne Haskins runs the ball 15 times a game. That would be ridiculous. When the other two things that can happen in that offense are, A, Dwayne Haskins throws it, or B, J.K. Dobbins runs it, to have Dwayne Haskins run it 15 times a game would be ludicrous. We thought it was ludicrous when they had JT Barrett run it 15 times a game, mm-hmm. when you had these other options. And this is Dwayne Haskins. So what do they have to do to avoid that? Can they avoid that? I feel like this is a gigantic commitment that this coaching staff would have to make for Dwayne Haskins to be the best quarterback he can be. And I think he can be great. I think this offense in 2018 can in many ways be better. But that's because you have a belief that this can be a throwing offense. And when they got in trouble, they tried to throw it this year. They looked really good throwing it sometimes. And when they got in trouble, they went back to running it. And not just with the tailback, but with the QB read. Mm -hmm. And we had to ask them questions after the tailbacks got it 11 times against Iowa and say, can't you just hand it to the tailback without it being a read play? And it was like, well, yeah, you've got to have tailback handoffs in that offense next year that aren't read plays. Or as yep. Tim said, they're going to crash on the tailback every time and wake, make Haskins keep it. Am I overstating how much I believe this offense would have to change? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's pretty clear that it has to. The other thing about it, though, is maybe it's not so drastic. They changed it in a week in 2014. Like that offense we saw against Wisconsin was not the offense we saw for 12 weeks with JT at quarterback. Now they had Zeke Elliott, and that's difference. But now they're going to have J.K. Dobbins and what we think might be a decent offensive line next year. Um, and then they'll also have not like a week to change it. They're going to have all of spring and all of summer to like figure out what they want to do, which even makes it different from 2015. Because it wasn't really – 2015 was not a spring quarterback competition. JT wasn't healthy. It was just Cardell was playing because he was the only one who could play. Right. Um, so I don't know. The, the idea that they somehow found a way to make it work in such short time in 2014 makes me think that while it, I, I agree it does have to change a lot, that it's maybe not some overwhelming venture that, that they're setting themselves up for. If you hear crinkling, it's a cough drop. I apologize. Yeah. Um, Here's the other thing, too, about 2015 that's important to remember. In the end, the reason Cardale won that job, the way they explained it, is because JT had a bad camp. Mm-hmm. JT was, like, not mentally over the injury. He was in his own head about having to compete. He didn't play well. And they shocked the world by, by playing Cardale. Um, so that would indicate to you that, that they still they might lean. They lean toward the runner. Right, as much as I made the whole lunch comparison, I think they wanted JT to take that. They job. wanted JT, and it turns out that the hamburger stand was closed for a week. Yeah, that yeah. the food inspectors came in; there were rats in the kitchen. Right, so they had to shut it down. So you had to eat enchiladas. 
So that, again, it's another indication that that's his natural state. Urban Meyer's natural state is a running quarterback. And then Urban Meyer's worried panic state is really a running quarterback. And here's what I think it might be. And Tim, tell me if you think this is a crazy idea or the right idea. I think the Cardale throwing the ball is that kind of offense. Throwing the ball, whether it's with Cardale or Dwayne, is a higher ceiling, lower basement. Bigger upside, bigger downside. Running the ball quarterback is steady, 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 steady. Because if you're a receiver, you don't have to worry about all your receivers. There's so many more things. It's the same thing as Woody Hayes always said. There's just more wrong that can go more that can happen that goes wrong with throwing it. But there's also, it's you have more 80-yard passes than you do 80-yard runs. And in the moment, in a, in a short window, it's easier. Because if you hit the upside, like in the three-game window of 2014 postseason, they hit the upside. And then in 2015, in the longer window, they hit some upside and they hit some downside. Does that make sense to you that, that there is more risk to them going to a passing offense and that... The quarterback run offense is just a steadier, long-term, regular season offense. I think that there's – I definitely agree with you. And you actually stole the Woody Hayes quote I was about to use, how there's three things that can happen when you throw the football, and two of them are bad. Um, when, I think when you talk about the passing offense, I agree with you. It's definitely more high-risk, high-reward. I feel like Dwayne Haskins is a guy that, in the time we've seen him, has been able to make the th- certain throws that can really cause defenses problems. And in a way, you see that, I think, more with pro-style programs more than spread programs. That Sometimes pro-style programs can be a little more up and down. You know, Sometimes they'll have a great season at about 12-1. and one. Next year, they'll probably be like 8-5 or something like that. Spread programs are usually kind of right steady as they go, kind of right down the middle, and they'll occasionally have that flip up like Oregon did the year they went to the national championship game. It's a thing where the that running game can always be there. You'll always have like, Ohio State will always have quality running backs. So they'll have a they obviously got J.K. Dobbins for two more seasons. It's if they're willing to trust Dwayne Haskins to let it rip and throw the ball to receivers who actually showed us a little something this season. Just a question of how many of them are going to stick around. Bill, part of it though, so this whole panicked situation. This how are they are they able to do it? If they didn't think they could do it, why did they recruit Dwayne Haskins? And then my second part of that question is, the quarterback they had committed in that class originally was a dual-threat run-first quarterback. So much to the extent that he decided, I don't want to be a quarterback in college, I want to be a receiver. Mm -hmm. They only went back to Dwayne Haskins after that kid decommitted. Dwayne Haskins, as good as he is, was not their first choice. So then in the moment when they had to go back to somebody else, they went back to Dwayne Haskins, and Urban Meyer raved. He said Dwayne Haskins is was the best high school thrower he's ever seen, or one of the best. I think he said, <clears throat> yeah, I think he said he was the best high school thrower he's seen. Yeah. And when he said that quote, I thought, well, then why is he coming to Ohio State? Yeah. So the fact that he's here, the fact that they even recruited him, is that enough proof that they are willing to make an offense that fits him? Or was there some, in the moment, they had to go get a guy? And he was a guy they had previous contact with. They had a good relationship with. They knew they could. You knew you could flip him from Maryland. Yeah. I mean, that was Especially never a doubt. So once Tristan Wallace says no, they think, okay, well, where are we going? Like, 
are, are you surprised that Dwayne Haskins is here or what just this whole idea the fact that he's here is that enough to say they knew they knew what they were getting it's no surprise Dwayne Haskins has been this from the start they've known exactly what Dwayne Haskins is I was surprised when they got him I was surprised when they got him but the but that that quickly changed for me and I and I was I just took it as they were willing to willing to change the offense whatever the time came um to something that better suits Dwayne Haskins. It's not what JT has done. So, yeah, I guess it was shocking. I guess, but all, Dwayne Haskins is going to go to Maryland to play for, was it Mike Loxley? Who, I don't know if Mike Loxley runs a pro-style offense or not. And it was like Durkin was going to be the head coach, and Durkin doesn't really run a pro-style offense, or at least doesn't want to if you look at the quarterbacks that he's recruited since then. Um, so I think that Dwayne Haskins was fine going into a spread, dual-threat, somewhat quarterback run system. I think he knew what he was signing up for either way. Um, I think it probably goes, but the, the, the confusion maybe stemmed from the idea that we just wanted to compare him to Cardale right away. Cause he was a big kid with a big, strong arm. Um, and maybe he's a little more than that. Maybe, maybe we're in a sense like selling him short and we'll find out that Dwayne, ha- you know what Dwayne Haskins can run. He's not JT. He's not going to get you two yards on third and one when everyone knows which player you're running. But he can be an effective runner in a different kind of way than JT was. So maybe they took him knowing that. But yet that's that's like my whole point. What are they running on third and two? What's the play call with Dwayne Haskins? Well, I don't know. I don't. I also don't think it's like Tate Martell dive either. I think that changes regardless of who the quarterback. Tate Martell is not. JT Barrett is a sturdy, sturdy dude. He's a who's fullback. Built like like a, yeah, he's built like a fullback or a running back. Tell him your tweet from the other day that was so good. Oh, what did I say? Oh, I said, like, Wisconsin's really working the fullback on this drive, um, but I like Ohio State's fullback better because he can throw. Yeah. I mean, it was because that's the whole thing. <laughs> JT, Barrett, JT Barrett is not a tailback. Right. He is a fullback. Yeah. He's 6'2, 222 pounds. He, and, yeah, and all his power is in his, his butt and his yeah, thighs. Right, yeah. Like, try to wrap that guy up. Yeah. And that's not. Tate Martell is 5'11", like 200, and he's pretty solidly built too, but he's just not built like JT and neither is Dwayne. So I think no matter who the quarterback is, that very important, it's third and one, it's fourth and one, we're going to run JT behind the middle of the line, everyone in the world knows it's coming and you can't stop it, is going to change. But what about the dipsy-doo? Isn't Tate, how close do you think Tate Martell is to Braxton Miller dipsy-doo? All right, it's third and one, we're not running power, but we're running whoop-de-whoop-whoop-whoop-whoop. Five broken tackles for a two-yard gain. Is that what they would run with him? Or yeah. are they just going to hand it to Dobbins? I I would just hand it to Dobbins. I would hand it to Dobbins, <laughs> but, well, Urban, my, you can't hand it to Dobbins if Dobbins is split wide in an empty set. Or is this the death of the five-wide, third-and-two, five-wide empty set? Is that dead? It might be It might be dead. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about Tate Martell. I, I can't see Dwayne doing it. Um, maybe Tate can, and it's just like not on his highlight tape because all that's on his highlight tape is him running in circles around people. Um, so maybe it is more dipsy do from Tate Martell than it is uh, run through people with it, with JT Barrett. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Like I, I'm. Oh, it's gonna be great next <laughs> year, people. Like, listen, JT's era has been great, but this is so interesting. Should we talk about Joe Burrow real quick? Mm, yeah, because we didn't say his name, and we're just like it's Tate Martell versus Dwayne Haskins. But it is. And we're going to write a jo- Who has the Joe Burrow story? I am. I'm going I'm to write it. So this podcast go up on Wednesday like it normally does. There will also be a story on Wednesday morning about Joe Burrow and, like, his future. Um, he graduates in May. He will have two years and be eligible immediately. I think there are a lot of places that would want his services. Um, and I'm not, I don't think it's crazy to assume that he's probably going to transfer. We always knew one of these guys would. 
Um, Dwayne beat him out, and and Tate's coming. So I don't think it's crazy to think that maybe Joe Burrow will surprise a lot of people. Maybe something happens in spring that that creates an opening for him to stay. Um, But we're just not banking on Joe Burrow being here. And he was very candid about – he didn't flat out say, I'm transferring. But he was as candid, I guess, as he could be without saying that, like, he knows the deal. And was keeping an open mind. (coughs) Cough drops. What do you think Joe Burrow – can be somewhere else. Uh, JT Barrett. <laughs> Some version of that. Like, like, are we going to see, like, are Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow going to play each other in the playoff in 2019? Big Ten Championship, Nebraska quarterback Joe Burrow versus Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins. I mean, what could Joe Burrow be? I mean, he could win the Heisman at Nebraska. <laughs> like, No, I always thought, Joe, I, I was always, I don't, I don't know what the overwhelming opinion on Joe Burrow is, but I always liked him. I like watched every game of his senior season when they went to the state championship and lost, and he had like, what do you have, seven touchdowns in Ohio Stadium, and his team was like a 55 to 54 game they lost. Um, he just reminded me a lot of JT, and I thought that, when he committed, people thought he was an afterthought and just like an, an addition to add depth to the quarterback room. And I thought, no, I think he could win the job in the right circumstance because I didn't know Dwayne Haskins was coming and I didn't know Tate Martell was coming. I just knew they had a kid who played like JT who was going to be running Urban's offense. Um, and then he was kind of a victim of circumstance, I guess, and he's not really going to get the chance. Um, but that doesn't mean he won't be great somewhere else. I mean, they just had four years of JT. JT set every record in the book, made every however many starts he made, 45 starts. And now the next JT is transferring, and the quarterback battle is Cardale versus Braxton. Not to put too far. Uh, <laughs> as long as everyone can keep saying that Dwayne Haskins isn't Cardale Jones, he kind of is. Yeah. Like, it is not an insult to anybody to say that. Because I get that maybe Dwayne Haskins, and you guys have made the point, is like better on intermediate throws and stuff. He's still a big guy with a big arm who I question being able to run the zone read. That's all. There is a fluidity. That JT has exhibited for four years. And again, we've said it a million times. That's the number one thing you're going to miss. How fluid that was. That it never, you said Cordell fell down trying to do what JT has done yeah. literally <laughs> thousands of times without ever falling down. That is, you don't appreciate it because he made it look so easy. But that was really hard for a defense to deal with. All the jokes we made about why, did, and I actually asked Joel Klatt about this, and I have one more running. <laughs> I'm going to write a blowout. I'll ask Urban about it. When we get to talk to Urban between the bowl, I'm going to ask Urban, why for four years could you guys go empty set on third and whatever with JT and run the quarterback and make it every time? Yeah. I will be fascinated to see what he's going to say to that. But the reason is because there are a lot of things in place there with JT as a decision maker with JT as a reader of defenses, and with JT as the kind of run threat that you've described. It is a tough, powerful, smart, find-the-hole, get-the-yard runner mm-hmm. that we joke about we may, and we take it for granted. And the first time that Dwayne Haskins tries to run on third and two and gets stopped for half a yard, you're going to go, oh, <laughs> okay, it doesn't work all the time. So I can't even remember what I was saying, but... Um, I don't know. I don't know. We can move on to something else unless someone is has it, another. Is thing. it like this? Is it almost like saying you don't know what you have till it's gone? No, for sure. And I've always That's said that. There's a, there's a yeah. lot of 
Ohio State players that no matter how, like I've always thought Ray Small was the next Ted Ginn Jr. And it's like, yeah, he's not. <laughs> Nobody is the next Ted Ginn Jr. They haven't had a guy like Ted Ginn Jr. since Ted Ginn Jr. left. Now, Ted Ginn Jr. was a top 10 pick and is playing in the NFL for 12 years. So JT Barrett's not that. But there are guys who have, within this giant talent pool, there are still guys who are unique, whose talent set is unique. And Ted Ginn was unique. In that, yeah, they have fast guys here, but not like that. Not dangerous, scare the defense to its core like that. And JT is unique. Unique in the brain and butt combination of how smart and how tough he was. I mean, he is. He's, he's not, I don't think he's the athlete that Tebow was. In the end, he really, in a lot of ways, is very Tebow-esque. And that I don't know mm-hmm. if Urban ever thought Tim Tebow is one of the great college football players of all time. JT Barrett is not. No. When you make the list of the 25 best college football players of all time, Tim Tebow is on that list. JT Barrett is nowhere close to that list. No. And that is not an offense to JT Barrett. But I don't know if Urban ever thought he'd have another Tim Tebow. He got certainly close enough with JT Barrett to do what he wanted to do. And they recruited a bunch of guys who were nothing like them. Yeah, I mean, that's what's going to be the most inter- interesting thing about this quarterback battle. And we haven't really touched on Tate Martell. Yeah, that's a good point. Before we move on to some questions, let's talk about what we th- – and this is – Dwayne has shown us. Mm-hmm. Tate has not yet. But, Tim, what's your impression of what you think Tate Martell can and can't do? Um, well, I mean, I, I did take some time after the Big Ten Teller game to rewatch some Tate Martell highlight film and – it reaffirms. I did not take that time. <laughs> it kind of reaffirms what they've been telling us that you know there's a, there was even when I got here in August there was genuine buzz among the players among some of the coaches about Tate Martell the different dynamic he brings he's got more flash than JT Barrett I think that's the big thing he doesn't have the size of JT Barrett but I feel like there's more flash in his game. And if you if Urban Meyer wants to run a similar offense to what he had with JT Barrett, you could do a lot of the same things with Tate Martell running that zone read. I mean, height's going to be a question mark because he's about my. You've seen in our videos, I'm Tate Mar- like Tate Martell is five eleven. That's my height, and you see me compared to Doug and Bill. I'm the shortest one. I'm the size of your average college lineman, and I'm the size of basically probably bigger. I'm basically Hunter Renfro size in this podcast, but um. That's good though. Yeah, he is. I mean, getting back to Tate, though, I, there's a dynamic there that really interests me. It's like the it's the unknown. It's like the mystery box. You don't know what you're gonna get out of it, but you've heard all about the hype. It's all there. We saw we got like a tiny glimpse in the spring game. We're gonna see a lot more in March and April of what number eighteen can provide. I like have no idea what to expect from Tate Martell, the thrower. I think he has a very strong arm for his size. Um, I don't know. Accuracy-wise, touch-wise, how he'll, he'll, he'll work the middle of the field because we just haven't seen it. Um, but I also trust, like, the opinions of the guys on the team. And, like, Chris Worley said at the Fiesta Bowl last year that Dwayne Haskins makes NFL throws. And we all went crazy. And then, like, I think Dwayne Haskins, while he was inconsistent in his time, showed us that, yeah, he probably does have an NFL arm. Um, and then, like, the way they described Tate as being, like, someone called him shifty. Someone called him slippery. These were players who were going to be first-round NFL draft picks. Or not first-round NFL draft picks, but NFL draft picks like Jalen Holmes. Um, I think Jerome Baker was talking about him, who said they had a hard time tackling Tate Martell when Tate Martell was on scout team. Um, and I don't take those words lightly. 
And what's Tate's arm? Do you think? I don't know. That's what I was just saying. I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure what the like. He could. I think he can throw it far. I was. I talked to his high school coach in September, and he said Tate's got a strong arm. He's got a strong, accurate arm. He just hasn't had a chance to show it. So maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and then we'll see. Like the, the more touch passes, the mess, the meshes and crosses and stuff like that, because we know that Dwayne can put the ball and the money on those. We've seen that. Let me ask two questions, and then we'll get to reader questions. Okay. Sure. Let me ask three questions. Sure. First question, who's going to be Ohio State's starting quarterback in 2018? Four questions, four questions. Who's Ohio State? Who starts the opener in 2018? Okay, can I give more than a one-word answer? Yep. I won't be long. So the Michigan game, I've been on the Tate Martell bandwagon like all year, and then the Michigan game told me I should hop off of it just because of what he did for like that. Whatever happens, he'll be, re- be remembered forever for what he did in that game, Dwayne Haskins will. Um, but now the conversation that we had about 2015 – where we all thought the answer was clear, then they picked the guy we didn't think they would pick, is bringing me back on Team Tate. So, Tate Martell. I said over the weekend, Tate Martell, I'm still kind of on the Tate train, I think. Oh, wow. Hold on a second. The Senate confirmed Kirsten Nielsen to head the Department of Homeland Security, installing a close ally of John F. Kelly. Was that your second question? We might have to stop the podcast so we can delve into... Uh, I legitimately felt like Greg Schiano got hired in Oregon. Yeah. I actually do have news alerts for things that actually matter in the world. Yeah. I don't understand what they say. It's going to be Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, it is. Uh, second question. Is there any chance that Urban handles it, though, like he did in 2015, in terms of Dwayne Haskins... Is the starter, and by October, Dwayne Haskins has thrown like a few too many picks. They're bogging down in the red zone a little bit. They can't run the zone read, and Urban's pulling his hair out and changes and goes to Tate Martell. I think there is a pretty good chance you're going to see them both next year. Okay, so make it five questions. What? (laughs) Like in what? You mean like a two-quarterback system where there's a role for each? I think there's a role for Tate Martell to be a red zone running quarterback, yeah. like I didn't think... You want to avoid it, I think, it's because it just makes things cleaner. I don't think it's impossible to be successful while doing it if you manage it the right way. Um, yeah, I think a I think a Tate Martell package will exist next year, even if Dwayne is a starter. And I do think I think Urban learned his lesson for fifteen. I think he'll handle it better during and during the battle and during the season. But I think I think they're going to go in to this battle knowing that both guys are going to play next year. I do. I am kind of in agreement. Agreement with Bill. I think Urban's going to handle this better because he's all. I think he trusts his offensive staff more because he's got two guys who have experience with quarterbacks. And he doesn't have Tim Beckham. Oh, six okay. questions. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> but uh, I think. I mean, I brought up Kevin Wilson before. I think what his experience plays a lot into this because 2010 he they were going to start Sam Bradford. No, 2009. They were going to start Sam Bradford. He gets hurt out for the season. They have to bring in Landry Jones immediately, and they still have a solid season. I feel like with the, with the experience Kevin Wilson has at quarterbacks, that's another solid voice in the room that in the coaching room that Urban Meyer trusts, and he can look to like, hey, what are you thinking about this? Can we do this, this, and this with Dwayne, or do you think we can do this better with Tate? It's it's still the Irvine offense, but I think it's clear he trusts Kevin Wilson's input. So I think from that aspect alone, this will be better. 
Michael McCall at MT McCall. Given Haskins' lack of mobility, do you think we'll see, be seeing packages for Martell next season? Yes. So he's right on board with us there. So basically, I think it's almost like, you know how sometimes like in the red zone, teams run the Wildcat? Yeah. It's just that Tay Martell's the Wildcat. I think Wisconsin did in the Big Ten Championship, and all the Wisconsin were like, oh, we haven't seen this this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, I, I would actually be surprised if it didn't happen. Okay. I think, I think I could see that, I guess. Especially early in the season, I think. Um, Look out, Oregon State. How much better will this go because in, instead of an offensive line coach and a first-year quarterback coach who's afraid of his own shadow <laughs> making the decisions and making the play calls, we have uh, an offensive coordinator who's been a head coach and has been doing this for 25 years and a sharp young mind who's in his second year here and already made an impact on the offense in year one. Uh, like, yeah, I, like – Describe how big of a difference that is. I think it's a it's a it's a pretty huge difference. I think there's there'll be more of a discussion. I think that and we've talked about this before. I think that Ryan Day, I almost said Ryan Wilson, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson um, have a have a much louder voice. I think than Tim Beck and Ed Warner probably ever had in the time they were here. Um, and Urban will listen to them, so I think it's a big deal. The, the the one thing I do wonder, and I haven't talked to Ryan Day much this season. I know you have talked to him a little bit, Doug. Like I, I have no read on like what he might prefer from a quarterback, or if he even has a preference. Mm. Yeah, no, every time, like, Ryan Day does not get into prefers. Yeah. Ryan get, Day gets into anything I can do to enhance. He's had he's had the prefers beaten out of him. Um, so I don't know, and I don't know his history. I mean, clearly, if you're coming from the Chip Kelly school, you don't mind, you kind of, would Mike, I guess, would lean toward a quarterback who could move a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um but I also think with some of – I mean, what, what we've seen with Ryan Day is changes in the passing tree, in the route sure. tree, some of the things they're doing. So clearly he can do some things um, with that. Like, Tim, do you trust – Do you tr- what is your level, Tim, on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 is the utmost trust. 1 is I. they're going to screw it up in terms of Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day being able to help Urban Meyer figure out this quarterback battle slash – Offensive system around the quarterback. I feel like an I'm kind of at an eight. I think okay. I think the impact that we saw from Wilson and Day was felt in the offense as the season went on. We talked about the Oklahoma loss, how Ryan, how Kevin Wilson put that squarely on his shoulders, and then at that point the offense really started to take on a different look. That was Wilson and Day really putting their fingerprints all over it. A lot of different things like the a lot of the crossing route concepts that we talked about throughout the season. I think those were Wilson and Day um, implementations. And then they've been able to throw other things in there. And the offense has looked a lot more functional this season, almost across the board. And I think those two have a lot to do with it. All right, I'm moving on to the other questions I wanted to ask. Is it possible that Dwayne Haskins was the third best quarterback in the Big Ten this year? Who? Yeah, behind Barrett and McSorley? Mm Mm-hmm. The other options are, and I'm looking at the stats, Tanner Lee from Nebraska, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, Brian Lewerke from Michigan State, maybe him, I guess, although he only completes 59% of his passes, Nate Stanley from Iowa, who lit up Ohio State, and Alex Hornerbrook from Wisconsin. Those are your real other options. I would take Haskins over all of them. I'm kind of with you on that one. Is it Should Dwayne Haskins have been third-team All-Big Ten? Yeah, as a, yeah. <laughs> as a true backup. Uh, I saw someone else make this point, and I wanted to get into a brief, brief Heisman discussion because it's just interesting. Here we are again. It's like another another year, no no Big Ten guy. 
among the Heisman finalists. I know Real Peppers made it last year because I think he finished fifth, and they they took everybody. They last took year. everybody. They only took three this year. Um, JT finished fifth as a redshirt freshman. Braxton Miller finished fifth once. They never got invited when they finished fifth because they weren't close enough. They right. invite between three and five depending how close the voting is. If they just invited only based on how close the voting was, Baker Mayfield would be the only guy going this year. Yeah. I think he is going to break Troy Smith's record for the most overwhelming Heisman vote ever because I cannot imagine, and I'm going to get to my question soon, but who is who could you possibly have voted Number one in the Heisman race. If you didn't want to, if you are so anti crotch grabbing <laughs> that you deep in your heart say, I cannot vote for a crotch grabber. Crotch grabbing is such an affront to society and the moral fabric of America. I have taken Baker Mayfield off my ballot. The Heisman pose is with an arm extended, not an arm on the crotch. <laughs> and I will not be a part. Of Baker Mayfield winning the Heisman Trophy. So I am voting instead for who? Bryce Love. And I, I, it, thinking about Bryce Love all season long, he's been, to me, one of the most, he's been incredibly good all season. There Bryce was a, Love, by the way, for half of you listening who's never heard of him, uh, he's the running back for Stanford. There was a point, I think, midway through the season where he was still averaging like 10 yards a carry, which is Insane for one game, but to do it over a stretch of like the first five, six, seven games of the season is absolutely absurd. Got almost 2,000 yards rushing. He'll get that in the bowl game if he plays in the bowl game. And for those of you that watched the pack, that stayed up like me to watch the Pac 12 title game on Friday night, he kept Stanford in the game by himself on one leg. He had, he was playing through a bad ankle. It was amazing that he was still playing and he was still making productive plays throughout the game. He's got numbers and he's got intangibles that if you were incredibly anti-Baker Mayfield, I'd put Bryce Love at number one. If I were anti-Baker Mayfield, which I'm not, I think he should win it. And then I think he should grab his crotch when he's on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson, who's better this year than he was last year when he won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. So uh, Matt Brown, who works for Sports on Earth, is a friend of mine. He tweeted out a stat. Lamar Jackson... <coughs> is 14th in the country in rushing yards per game and 13th in the country in passing yards per game. That is ridiculous. He, he is that Louisville team, even more so than he was last year. He's a more efficient passer. His completion percentage is higher. His interceptions are down. Like, he's better. He's better than the guy who was the best player in college football last year. Um, You're not allowed to say who you voted for in the Heisman, but oh, I will yeah. say That's that rule. someone that was just mentioned in that discussion – was on my ballot originally, and then I took him off and put on somebody else who was in that discussion in his place. Hmm. Um, I saw people tweet about this, and this is the question I want to ask, because obviously the best candidate in the Big Ten this year, and a guy that in the middle of the year you thought was going to win it, is Saquon Barkley, Mm -hmm. who finished with 1,134 rushing yards and 594 receiving yards. They had to use him as a pass catcher because teams were stacking the run against him uh, as a running back. He finished second in the Big Ten in yards from scrimmage. Seventh in the country. Seventh in the country. And don't forget also, and he had, he had two kick returns for touchdowns, including the one to open the Ohio State game as well. So this guy, but in the last 
starting with the Ohio State game, basically Ohio State laid the, had the first blow to his Heisman chances, and then the rest of his games killed him. Here are his rushing stats the last five games of the regular season. Against Penn State, 21 carries for 44. Michigan State, 14 for 63. Rutgers, 14 for 35. Hmm. Nebraska, 17 for 158. Maryland, 16 for 77. He only had 100-yard game in his last five. He only had 200-yard games rushing the ball in his last eight. But, like, if you lined up and played, like, who's the best football player... I'm gonna. Who's a better football player, Saquon Barkley or Bryce Love? Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. So should he have been a Heisman finalist, or are these numbers just so bad that you just you couldn't vote for him? You can't vote for a guy who had 14 carries for 35 yards against Rutgers. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's the case. I I don't have a Heisman vote. Um, I would have voted for him like number one in October. And that's why the people, I guess you can vote in October, though, can't you, if you wanted to? I don't know. No, not quite. Okay. No. Regardless. Um, no, I, I wouldn't have voted for him. I just don't. I like your reasoning on, on the Heisman. And if you wanted to get into that a lot, like who, like who helps tell the story of the college football season should be taken into consideration. I don't think Barkley did that. He was on track to, and then his team lost, and then his team lost again, and then that was it. Um, so, no, I, I don't think he was. He's great. He might very well be the best player in college football. I just didn't think he was Heisman worthy by the end. I didn't think he was going to be win the Heisman Trophy, but I admit last on Monday night when they announced the Heisman finals and he wasn't one of them, I was stunned. Really? Because I felt like he was – I mean, even though the stats didn't show it, you also had to consider defensers were selling out to stop him. But aren't defenses selling out to stop Bryce Love? How do you have 35 yards rushing against Rutgers? I couldn't name another player on Stanford's offense. This is their quarterback, Keller Christ? No, they benched him for K.J. Costello. Oh, yeah. World beater. And player. now we enter the phase of show off Tim Bielek's <laughs> college football knowledge. Well, I but, also... So you, so you, you would... So, and here's the hard thing about the Heisman. You only, have, you only get to vote for three spots. It's not like you get to vote for ten and then they take the best three. You only get to vote for three. Would you have considered putting Barkley in your top three, Tim? Yes, I would have put him third behind Mayfield at one and Bryce Love at two. Okay, I I mean Lamar Jackson had a better year, but he was so off the radar. I felt like the way he won the Heisman last year because he really put that team on his back and carried them way further than they should have been. Because that team last year, this that team last year had a couple good pieces, but it was Lamar Jackson. This year, it was all Lamar Jackson. He just couldn't do it. There was nobody to vote for. I mean, it was very weird. And I will also tell you that I voted for a super, 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 super weird dude at number two that I barely knew who he was before I started looking stuff up to vote for people. It is the super, it is a super weird thing. Does he play receiver? He does not. I did not vote for that guy because that guy, to me, does not tell the story of the college football season. I agree. The thing that Bill mentioned that I, that I talk about is the Heisman, to me, is, is an award unto itself. It's not a best player award. It's not an MVP award. It's the Heisman. They do commercials about Heisman Trophy winners. And they don't, they don't, and I know it's just a stupid truck commercial, but the reason they do the stupid truck commercials is because there's something to that. They don't get together all the people who won baseball MVP awards and have them act like they live in a house together. The Heisman winner helps tell the story of the college football season. Sometimes that is an extraordinary player doing things for a mediocre team. 
often it is a very good player leading a very good team. So you can tell the story in different ways, but like I'm just not going to vote for a receiver from Memphis unless he is doing things that nobody has ever done in the history of college football. And if that's unfair to Memphis, and how is Memphis ever going to get a Heisman winner? I don't care. That doesn't tell the story. So Baker Mayfield is the story of college football this year. And then the hard thing is, is I don't know who the Clemson, I mean, like Clemson, I, I, I thought about voting for like a Clemson defensive lineman, but I wasn't sure which one to vote for. And, yeah. and like Alabama, I thought about voting for like Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, cause Alabama is always like a defensive first team. Um, and then there's like, there's Georgia and there's like Ohio state didn't really have a guy, you know, like it's, it's hard to figure out, but I, that to me matters. And, and so obviously, and it doesn't matter like Toby. And this is the thing too. Toby Gearhart was second in the Heisman voting, right? Yeah. yeah. What? That's so <laughs> stupid. I didn't want to be part of like, I didn't want to be part of that of like 20 years from now, people saying like Bryce Love was second in the Heisman trophy voting. Who's Bryce Love? Uh, he's a guy who put up a bunch of stats for nine and fourteen. Okay, whatever. You know, like, and maybe that's not fair. But here's what I think about Bryce Love. I think if he played against Ohio State, he'd have seventeen carries for sixty-one yards. Yeah. He's the Jonathan Taylor of the West. Like, why am I impressed by that? Is that unfair? Jonathan no. Bryce Love is second in the nation running. Jonathan Taylor's third. Did Jonathan Taylor do anything in the Big Ten Championship game that mattered at all? No. no. Would Bryce Love have done that? I know. So Bryce Love, on one leg, almost carried Stanford to the Pac-12 title. Does you? I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I need more than that. I need more than that. And I lean very hard toward the best teams. Stanford wasn't anywhere close to the best teams. And if you aren't on one of the best teams. You have to be doing something on your own that is so extraordinary that it stands out. And Lamar Jackson, to me, does that much more yeah. than Bryce Love did. Then Guy X, who we're a running team, we have a pretty good line, there are some holes, we don't play that many great defenses, he gets lots of yards. That's not telling the story of the college football season to me. I didn't want to guess who your pick was, your weird pick. I'm going to have my vote revoked, but go ahead. Mackenzie Milton, quarterback for Central Florida. <laughs> Who you have called the Tate Martell of the of, American, of the Athletic, American Conference. Athletic Conference. Yeah, it was like second in the country in passer rating. His team went undefeated. He had like 30-something touchdowns and nine interceptions. I was going to actually go st- same state. Quinn Flowers, the U- USF quarterback, who, who almost single-handedly stole the American – who almost single-handedly won that war on I-4 game with UCF. War on I-4. That yeah. that is a that is a catchy rivalry. Actually, no one. I know who it is. It's true, Christmas. <laughs> um, do you want me to, let me ask. All right, let me go on. A little, let's go on a quick rant here. I got to take my daughter to a basketball game. We'll get to some questions more. Listen, when people say you couldn't decide between Alabama and Ohio State for the fourth spot, so give it to UCF. What do you say to that? Oh no, I I don't know. I don't know how good UCF actually is. I. Their games are super exciting, and they're really fun to watch. I don't actually think they're one of the best four teams in the country. I think it's very possible if they played either Alabama or Ohio State, they would get destroyed. Um, 
their defense especially. Like they gave up they gave up like a hundred points in their last two games to Memphis and South Florida. I don't think you can give up a hundred points to anybody and make put the playoff, so I'm not like I'm in favor of, of giving group of five chances a shot at the playoff when it's deserved. I didn't think it was deserved this year. They didn't play any power five teams. And if they would have played one it was gonna be Georgia Tech who stinks. Tim? I'm in the same boat. I don't know if you're a playoff team and you give up 55 points in your final game of the regular season. So it's like you couldn't stop Memphis, who and Memphis's like best thing was that they beat UCLA, who was six and six in the Pac-12, and his coach got fired. Yeah, like I don't want to hear it. It is so stupid to me. If you have 64 teams in your tournament, I get it. Then you can let in everybody else. Why are we pretending that's the same level of football? <laughs> they People, finished yeah. fifth in the Big Ten West. When UCF, if UCF played Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Wisconsin four straight weeks, what would UCF's record be? Uh, like two and two at best. Okay, yeah. so put them in the playoff? Yeah. It's like they'd be recovering from beating Nebraska and lose to Minnesota by three touchdowns. Why do, why do we have to pretend that that's not the case? Their players yeah. aren't as good. And I don't want to have to expand the playoff to 16 teams to give a second-rate team from a second-rate conference a shot at Alabama so that Alabama's players, unpaid players, can have to play one extra game. Oh, great. Oh, how was the first round? One versus 16, Alabama versus UCF. Or one versus eight, Alabama versus UCF. Yeah, it was 55 to 10. Oh, it was? <laughs> wow, that was great for college football and the unpaid players. I, I am so – anybody who makes that argument, it's a fantasy argument. It's a fantasy Cinderella argument based off Butler basketball that has no application to college football. And I understand that like Alabama and Ohio State were flawed. If your answer is Alabama and Ohio State were flawed, UCF's not flawed. They went to overtime against Memphis. Yeah. Do you think Alabama would go to overtime against Memphis? No. No. Do you think Ohio State would go to over? Would Memphis beat UNLV? I mean, I don't mean, I'm not trying to, like, it's just so stupid. It, like, I saw enough of that on playoff weekend that I just wanted to shout at those people. But, like, from legitimate people, too. So not, stupid. Yeah. God, it's it's not what it's about. And I don't, I, I, we don't need, at this level, with the, the stuff they put themselves through, we don't need three extra weeks of playoffs for these guys. Agreed. Gene Nilly, how many players sit out the Cotton Bowl to protect their draft status? From for Ohio, Ohio State. For Ohio State. Zero. From the way they talked, I think I don't think any of them would. I feel like no, no, Okay, so but that's just let's ignore what they say, because nobody's gonna say it right. ahead of time. Why? Why do you think that, Tim? Based on what you think and you know about this team, why? If, I feel like this is a really tightly knit group, and I feel like in a game that, although we think it's meaningless, I think this game will still mean something to some of those guys. Like, those guys will want to send guys like JT Barrett, Billy Price, and Chris Worley out, having been... Okay, I'm going to gonna interrupt. Was Stanford's team last year not tightly knit? No, I'm sure they were. Why did Christian McCaffrey sit out? Well, he, he was a top part business pick. decision. Okay, so why shouldn't Denzel Ward sit out? I'm not saying you shouldn't. But just, why wouldn't he? Like, uh, this is the thing. Like, everyone. So, is Ohio State actually different? Is Ohio State's no, football program no, no, different no. than Stanford's? Five Texas guys are sitting out the game. Is yeah, Ohio State's Derwin football James program? Is out. Why is Ohio State different? And here's the thing I just want to prepare Ohio State fans because I think Ohio State fans, every fan base thinks there's. Well, our guys love each other more. 
haven't they made a hype video about the brotherhood they're not going to sit out you don't think there's a brotherhood at every place and some guys have legitimate reasons to sit out i think the magnitude of the game comes into play like Christian McCaffrey sat out of the Sun Bowl against UNC. Against Mitch Trubisky. He turned down the chance to play Mitch Trubisky. Sashi Brown was there. I know. Maybe he didn't know Sashi Brown was going to show up. He didn't know you were, he didn't know you were going to show That's up. That's true. That's why he sat out. Um, like, Leonard Fournette didn't play. And I don't even know what bowl game LSU was it in. It was... Like, I think it was. I don't Capital know. Capital One Bowl or something. I don't know. They were playing Louisville in that game. Like, Derwin James is sitting out of, like, the Shreveport Bowl or something. Like, I... I think sitting out the Cotton Bowl against USC is a little different. I think this is, for some of these guys, it's a game where you can actually show something, for one. Like if you're, and Denzel Ward's a bad example because he's on a marginal draft prospect. He's getting drafted in the first round. Um, someone like Chris Worley, I don't know. Like he's, I don't think any seniors are sitting out um, on this team. I do think that's a thing with this particular group of seniors. I would be very surprised if any one of these seniors decided to sit out. Um I don't think it's possible that an agent gets into an underclassman's ear and says, listen, it might be in your best interest to not play in this game, and then someone doesn't play. I won't be shocked if that happens. But I think playing USC in the Cotton Bowl is different than playing UNC in the Sun Bowl, and that might be enough to keep these guys in. Jalen Smith cost himself $60 million by playing in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State two Mm -hmm. years ago. Did he make the right decision to play? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair question. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's fair. I demand to answer it. I'm not going to I know. I'm not sure because the injury was a freak injury. I believe it was non-contact. Like, no, Tyler, no Decker Taylor, pushed, Decker Taylor Decker pushed him over at okay. the end of the play. It was a linebacker getting blocked by an offensive lineman, which oh. is what they do every day. And most of the time it doesn't happen. But like whether it's freak, I don't know. It's one more day. It's one more game of unpaid football where you might get injured. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center today. He was? Yeah. How did we miss that? I don't know. He's a did picture we get of scooped on it? Ohio State tweeted it out. Is he there holding the, one of the Heisman trophies? He's doing something. He's, I think he's dropping the puck at the Blue Jackets game tonight. Did Marty Smith bring him? No. I, I, thought, Mar- so. I, think, I thought Marty Smith was in Tuscaloosa, man. Marty that's, Smith that's is funny. everywhere. All right. <laughs> I'm just trying to set Ohio State fans up that, like, you think, and this is the danger, I think. I mean, and, like, you people think, well, Ohio State's different. Well, our guys really care about each other. That's unfair to think that. Yeah. It's unfair to think that Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and all these Texas guys didn't care about their teammates. Because in the end, that's not really what it's about. So I just don't want Ohio State fans, if and when an Ohio State player ever makes that decision, I think it would be unfair to behave as if he's turning his back on his brothers and that somehow Ohio State's above that because their hype video about brotherhood has more smoke in it than Stanford's. <laughs> like, that's not what it's about. And to think that somehow David Shaw isn't running a brotherhoodish program at Stanford because their best player sat out, I mean, that's not what it's about. So just, like, prepare yourself, Ohio State fans. I'm not making predictions on anything. But I'm just telling you, if you're not playing to win, a, to win it all, it's an exhibition game for people to go on vacation. And I don't care about like the 1974 Rose Bowl. It's an exhibition game for bowl reps to make money and for you to go on vacation. And if there's any chance that it's going to cost me $50 million for you to go on vacation, I'm at least going to think about not playing. G. Nilly, do your feelings about what a great guy JT Barrett is, has that been an influence on your reaction to fans' criticism of him? I don't understand that totally. Do your feelings about what a great guy Barrett has been to cover? Okay. It's like two verbs next to each other. 
cover and influencer right next to each other. You know how oh. sometimes in a sentence. I, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he's talking how you guys. What do you guys think of him as a person? Is he asking? Is he asking if we defend JT more because we think he's good to cover? Yes. No. I actually, I think he's just okay to cover. I think he's fine. Yeah. He's he often says a lot without saying anything. He's not a great quote. He doesn't yell at us, but he's not a great quote. I like angry JT. Oh, <laughs> um, but no, no. I just I think that we we look at it through a totally different lens than than fans, and I think we're we're able to appreciate what he did for the program. And maybe you see two interceptions in the Big Ten championship and go crazy. And I think to some extent that's a little understood. I think we're just trying to like bring people back down to earth a little bit. And I don't even know if we like defend JT. I don't know. I would have we, benched him after Oklahoma, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 don't, I just think we take a much more practical approach to it. And sometimes practical as compared to fanatical makes you look like a, like a staunch JT defender when I think we just try to tell it like it is. The Urban Renewal. Does Ohio State's coaching staff stay the same after the bowl season or is someone leaving? And just run through the little thing again that Urban said on the radio show before the Big Ten Championship. Oh, so he said he had, um, I think it was two coaches approach about head coaching jobs and another assistant coach approach about being a coordinator somewhere else. Um, and we can play the guessing game, like whatever. Uh, no, I don't. I, this this staff will not be intact next year, I don't think. For one, uh, like Bill Davis is, like if we talked before, his contract is up. Um, if Urban Meyer makes the decision to rehire Bill Davis, it might be the worst hire he's ever made. I don't think he'll do that. Um, I don't You're know predicting if, Bill Davis is not back. He should not be back. I'm predicting, predicting he will not be back. Okay. Yes, I'm predicting he will not be back. I'm prepared to be wrong on that. Um, I think Shiano is not completely out of it in terms of head coaching jobs. People will bring his name out for Oregon because he was a candidate there before they hired Willie Taggart. Oregon has named Mario Cristobal interim head coach, and I think it would be smart of them to just make him the permanent head coach. So maybe he's out at Oregon, but there's still a lot to happen, and I think he's an attractive candidate. Um, I think Ryan Day stays. I think Kevin Wilson stays. Um, probably the rest of the assistants. So I think it's possible that Shiano and Bill Davis are gone next year. And I was, uh, my, my prediction is that at least Bill Davis is not on the staff. I'm thinking Bill Davis is the only – Bill Davis out is the only change, and – Insert insert random assistant here replaces him. I mean, also they're going to have ten. I was going to say the ten. Who do we? Th- so you think? All right. So you think both of you are thinking Davis is out. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the tenth assistant next year? Is it Tim Hinton? Tim or Hinton. It, or is it a outside special teams coordinator? Probably more like there was actually like a little bit of vitriol when Tim Hinton was reassigned. Like weren't didn't like his daughter go on Twitter and someone from his family was not happy about it. Yes, on social media. Yes, so but like Tim Hinton still remains a part of the program. He loves Ohio State. Former tight ends coach who got shuffled to the side when they had to make Warner the tight ends coach and bring in Stu Drawa and bring in Stu Drawa as the line coach so that Warner didn't have to be the line coach and an offensive play caller at the same time. Right. Tim um, Hinton took the fall, but he's still around as a staffer yes. and. On the field before the Big Ten Championship game, when all the coaches were meeting with their position groups after they walked into the stadium, you saw Zach Smith with the, with the receivers and Tony Alford with the running backs and everything. Kevin Wilson was not the guy hanging out with the tight ends. Tim Hinton was. So he might secretly be the tight ends coach all along. Yeah. I, I, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on it being Tim Hinton. Um, the thing about bringing in a special teams coach is that like that's what Kerry Combs does, and I think he very much enjoys that. So I don't know if he'd want to totally give that up. So, uh, but I guess there's ways around that too. You're basically just bringing in a recruiter and it doesn't really matter what position he coaches. So you can call him the special teams coach, but he's actually just like the guy who recruits Georgia for you. Um, but I would say hidden. 
What is your title? I am the guy who recruits yeah. Georgia coach. I am uh, the Georgia recruiter for Ohio State. Cynical Negro at NW Drone 410. Since we are at the playoffs, do you expect to see next year's starters getting more playing time than normal, like in the bowl? Like, are they like going to play? Guys play like, will Chase Young play more against USC than he has played? Will Baron Browning maybe play some hmm. on defense? Or we always hear about bowl prep. Do you think it'll actually happen in the game? I'm trying to think, like it didn't happen against Notre Dame, and I don't. I don't think it will. I don't think it will either. Yeah, I don't think so. I think those guys are just going to try to win a game and rely on the guys that they've put in in winning situations. Austin underscore Hennig forty two asked if JT was a holiday food, what would he be? And I've already responded to Austin with the entire video that we did yeah. <laughs> naming players as holiday foods, which I hope satisfies Austin's question. But just makes me feel good because it reaffirms that we are on the same wavelength with our readers yes. and listeners. We thought that was silly, and it turns out it was right on. Yeah. It's like, well, we need another video for Thanksgiving week. What should we do? It's like literally people are asking that now. Um, Christopher Jackson has just blown us up with questions. So many good oh, questions, yeah. Christopher. We can't get to all of them. At Georgia Buckeye 4. Christopher Jackson might yeah. be the 10th assistant. Ohio State Buckeye or Georgia recruiter. As we come south for the Cotton Bowl, what's your favorite style of barbecue? What meat do you choose? Favorite side? Thoughts on banana pudding? Oh, do love, we, are love you guys, banana pudding. Are you guys consumers of barbecue here in central Ohio? Is that in your regular rotation to go to like a barbecue restaurant or no? It's oh. not. My, my I like barbecue, but uh, my girlfriend, who I own a home with, um, does not like it so much. So we don't really get it that often. It's in our rotation. Whatever. We ha- we haven't gone that much. In fact, the last time I went to get barbecue was actually when you and I, uh, Doug, went to uh, that <sighs> one Kansas City barbecue restaurant that's actually made out of an old gas station. Did that we was ever, really good. We ever we never got to share that story. We'll save it for another time. Well, you can go 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 two minutes on it now. Okay. Well, if you never heard of it, it's called Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. It's featured on like Man vs. Food, other shows. It's fa- it's fantastic. There was a line out the door. We maybe waited twenty thirty minutes before we even ordered. Um. Fantastic food. The thing I got was a special like burnt end sandwich, which is just burnt ends in between two pieces in between a bun. I've never seen anyone be as happy as I saw Tim Bielik be when he realized that burnt ends were available because they're only available on certain days at that place. Oh, and we thought they weren't available, and then they were. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I had backup options available, but you know, you see that you get all excited because it's a very delicious meat. It's like. What, how did you describe it? Was it like melt in your mouth kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was not as in as you were, but it is one of that, like, you could. it's so tender, it just vanishes. I'm having some serious FOMO right now. I wasn't in Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And I, I will say, though, City of Barbecue around here in Columbus, does, they have good barbecue here. I'm a fan of that stuff. They got great pulled pork. I, I want to go I, there because I only ever had it, like, catered in the press box, and I actually just think it's kind of okay. Yeah, but I would like to go to City Barbecue. It is good when you go, Tim. You think it's a good like in the restaurant? It's good. Yeah, I think so. You can tell it's freshly prepared. They have fantastic macaroni and cheese. They brought actually Mm -hmm. for the last game incredible macaroni and cheese. I think I'm excited for Dallas Barbecue. (laughs) I'm reading this question as I'm chewing a cough drop. At Bunyan Man, (laughs) let me get to the second part of his question. Also, we better hear some jaws masticating during that podcast. (laughs) Chewing sounds are like Mozart and Bach. As I'm like a cow over here going <laughs> on my cough drop, Bunyan Man's in my head. This is a really good question, and I think it's something that will be asked about and wondered about a lot. 
If you were to guess, will the Buckeyes play angry in the Cotton Bowl for being left out, or will we see them play an okay game with some mistakes and lack of motivation? This has been, again, I've said before, Urban Meyer's six years. It's the team most capable of laying an egg. Do we get an egg in Dallas, or do we get, like, angry, ticked off, physical, pounded, dominating Ohio State? Tim, you go first. I don't know my uh, I honestly think that Urban Meyer will at least try to get this team angry because if you think about it, while you're not in the playoffs, you get the next best thing, which is you're playing the other Power 5 champ that was left out in USC. If you want a good matchup and a quality opponent, that's as good as you're going to get outside of the playoff. And what a good test for your past defense to see how far, you, how far you've come to go against arguably the best quarterback in the country, likely number one pick in Sam Darnold. Um, so I think from that aspect, they'll be a little more motivated than your average bowl game because it'll at least be a chance for them, a chance for them to go up against a quality program that won a conference championship. That's at least going to be what I feel like Urban Meyer's kind of try and dress it up as how they react. I don't think we're going to know till kickoff, which Ohio state team shows up. I don't know how to read Urban's like warm introspective glow that he had. <laughs> And I don't know if that means like they're going to come out and kick USC's ass or if they're just like, hey, man, we're just along for the ride. And here we are in Dallas, and there's a football game, and maybe we'll lose by 40. <laughs> everybody <laughs> loved everybody. <laughs> on the way, so there's a huge defeat. So I don't know. Well, it doesn't feel like like that. For as much as like we read about the NFL talent on both sides when they played Notre Dame, like Ohio State was so good that year. And they're not that good this year. Um, so I don't know. I, I would probably hedge a little bit more toward like this is a game. This is a Potential letdown spot, and this is a game. Um, I also I like I don't know much about USC yet to know whether or not how they they hold up other than Darnold. But um, yeah, I think it could be I think it could be a competitive game and not the the blowout we saw when they played Notre Dame. We'll get into the matchup much more later on. One thing is they've only played one truly great quarterback this year, and he destroyed them. I mean, he's the best player in college football. Baker Mayfield destroyed a lot of people. Yeah, Sam Darnold might destroy them. That's definitely on the table. That has mm-hmm. nothing to do with motivation. That has everything to do with he just might destroy them. Yeah. Um, the second thing is I think this is the number one motivating factor for them in this game. 31 nothing. Last year, their season ended with a freaking embarrassment. So I think that it's not related to this season as much as like, remember when last year's season, like everybody laughed at you? Mm-hmm. Do you want to get laughed at again? Like, that's very fresh for them of, like, this is what it's like when the last thing of your season is an embarrassment. So I think that'll be a motivating factor for them. I think they'll look good. I think they might lose because I don't – I have not watched a lot of Darnold, and I need to watch it for Brown's reasons as well as Buckeye's reasons. But as we've said, like, it's basically been true since the beginning of time. This The Big Ten is not a quarterback league. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, we just said, would be the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. He's Ohio State's backup. The best guy they played was Trace McSorley, who is not really a quarterback. He's a very good college football player. He's not really a quarterback. He's like a jugs machine with legs. He, Yeah. <laughs> I always think of him in they've made, like Tinkerbell was in Peter Pan. Now Tinkerbell has her own spinoff show and like hmm. movies. And there's like, she has like a boyfriend in that movie. And that's what I think Trace McSorley is. He's Tinkerbell's boyfriend. <laughs> so, and I love him as a player. But that guy's not going to, like, light you up, you know, by throwing for 350 yards, making NFL throws. When you hear something crazy, completely unrelated, the longest tenured coach in Florida, in all of Florida college football, Mark Richt. Really? Yeah. How about the U, baby? 
Wow. Um, Christopher Jackson has an excellent question about misses in the recruiting classes on the current roster. We're going to do a all preview of signing day podcast next week, a week from today. The podcast will be all about the December 20th signing day, Ohio State's class, how it shapes up, who's going to sign, who's not going to sign. We'll get to that recruiting question, and that is going to be a heavy-duty signing day preview, which will be exactly a week before the actual signing day. Again, there's an early signing day this year. It's new. It's not just in February. It's on December 20th. And, like, every team in the country is going to sign, like, 15 to 18 guys. This is the new way of doing things. So we need to get you ready for that. We'll do that next week, and Christopher Jackson will save your question for that. Last two, Bryce Owen at B. Rice 2017. Which will happen first? Ohio State wins a national championship. Ohio State player wins a Heisman. Urban Meyer wins coach of the year. Ohio State player gets drafted number one overall. Oh, God, that's a really good question. I think national championship. I think number one overall. Yeah, because who's it going to be? Nick Bosa. <laughs> I was going to say Chase Young, but they have two candidates. Well, if it's but, Chase Young, yeah, you have but, two candidates in the next two years, yeah. But it's like, do we think you're going to – I don't think – they don't have a – I mean, I guess we've – J.K. Dobbins could win the Heisman. If they sure. change the offense next year and give the ball to J.K. Dobbins 25 times a game – he could win the Heisman. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to win the Heisman, just even in yeah. this offense throwing it. Urban Meyer, coach of the year, I don't think that like his he's the best guys don't win. It's like the underdog guys right. win those things. Like all three are in the are they can national championship win a national, Heisman they can win a title next year. Yeah. Number one are all on the table for mm-hmm. like immediately. Yes. All right. So your answer is what? Number, number one. one. Number your one. answer is national championship. What's yours? <laughs> I think Dobbins. I think Dobbins might win a Heisman here. Um, I really think Dobbins might win a Heisman I, here if they switch the offense enough. I, I think, like, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott didn't win a Heisman here, but it's kind of like some weird circumstances that he didn't. Like he. In 2014 regular season, he wasn't that guy. Then he went nuts in the playoffs. Then in 2015, their season was just too weird, even though his numbers were good. Like they also didn't have like they didn't their schedule sucked that year. Yeah, and it's the one good game they had that everyone cared about. They didn't give him the ball. So I think I don't know. Maybe I'll say Heisman. Maybe I'll say J.K. Dobbins Heisman. I think, I think he could win it next year. All right, last question. Visual ambassador. We'll send it out with this. Two things from Viz at Viz Ambassador. God, we'd love Viz. If Ohio State was in the playoffs, would JT have gotten a Heisman invite? No. 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 Also, favorite sauces. The top three for him, this is sauces that at like fast food establishments. His top three are Arby's, Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, Blackened Ranch. And then he came back with a second tweet to say, also, Canes is in that discussion. But like what Chick-fil-A? Oh, is, like, is Chick-fil-A sauce a thing? Is it like a... I don't know if he just means like the like the sauce selection at those places. He says favorite sauces, I guess, and that means a sauce means like on the side that you dip in. And right? I know Ar- like Arby sauce is or what's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horsey sauce. Oh yeah, the horsey yeah, sauce. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I don't know, know if Chick Fil A is Chick Fil A like yeah. I don't know what that is. So I like uh, I love cane cane sauce. I I'll take a bath in that stuff. So that's number one. Um, and then, like Zaxby's version of that's probably number two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you? Do you ever do that? Isn't that? Is it? I mean, what is that? It's sort of like Thousand Island dressing or something, it's right? Like it's spicy, like ketchup. It's and, like spicy Thousand Island. I don't really know what. The, can't you concoct that in the Landis test kitchen at home? Yeah, but why would I? When I can just go buy it from the, from the experts. 
Tim, do you got a sauce? Um, I think I'm on board with Canes, although... Something I want to try. Chick Fil A apparently has like cheese you can dip like your chicken and everything else in that I'm really? curious to oh, try. I like uh, Chick Fil A's barbecue sauce is really good. It's very sweet. I'm a, I love sweet barbecue sauce. So I'd be excited to give that a try. I am not a sauce man. You're not a sauce man. And with that, we'll leave. Uh, we're gonna try to do a complimentary weekend podcast in place of the post game podcast. It probably will be something different than straight Ohio State football. It'll probably be either basketball on a week. Like we just said, we're going to do a whole recruiting recruiting podcast next week. But like on other weeks when we do a heavy, normal Buckeye talk, we feel like the normal Buckeye talk is heavy football with some food yeah. and some grab ass. <laughs> and so if we're doing that a normal Wednesday, then maybe on the weekend we'll give you like a half-hour recruiting mailbag. Um, and we'll probably try to go half hour on the weekends, sort of like it's been like an hour and a half on a Wednesday, half hour on the weekends, basketball, recruiting, maybe almost like an all food thing. If we really hit all food and then get to a little bit of football, anything weird like that. So we'll try to settle on that. We'll plan on one this weekend. We think it'll be a basketball podcast to talk about the first play big 10 leader, Ohio state Buckeyes two and oh, after wins over Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, but we'll keep doing these every Wednesday, so we'll have we have this one. Next week we'll be recruiting. Then the following Wednesday is going to be on – that Wednesday is National Signing Day. But that will also be our Cotton Bowl preview because then the next one is like Bowl Week. And then we'll, st- we'll try to do – because the next one's the 27th. That's yeah. after Christmas. It'll yeah. be Bowl Week. And then we'll, the game's on the 29th. So we'll try to do – you don't need another plan. We'll do some live from down there, whatever. But anyway, for now, little short weekend one on something different. Next week, recruiting. The week after that, Cotton Bowl preview. So that's the plan. We appreciate you guys listening. Please always send us questions. We have some good ones already loaded for next week. Um, somebody sent us the, me a tweet about your rank, your favorite chain restaurants. I have that somewhere. If you want to send me the same tweet again, that'd be great too because it was such a good tweet, and we're going to delve into that at some point. But um, – that's it. So for Bill Landis on Twitter at Bill Landis25, for Tim Bielek on Twitter at Tim Bielek, for Doug Maurice on Twitter at Doug Maurice. you can read our stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and anywhere else. Um, thanks to list, to uh, you guys for listening. We really appreciate the interaction. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting bowl season. We've got some recruiting yeah. stuff coming up. There's a, we're going to keep looking forward with this team as we assess this game. Um, so they're not in the playoff, but as always, there's plenty to talk about with Ohio State football. So for Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talks.